0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. My guest this week is one of Broadway's most recognizable faces. Frank DeLilla is the Emmy award-winning host of On Stage on Spectrum News New York One, the channel's weekly theater program. Since joining New York One in 2004, Frank has interviewed some of Broadway's biggest stars, winning an Emmy for his special on the Broadway musical Come From Away, as well as five New York Press Club awards. He has served as the entertainment correspondent both on and off-Broadway and around the world, And he hosts his own podcast, Show and Tell with Frank DeLilla on iHeartRadio. A strong advocate for arts education, Frank currently serves on the board of the Roger Reese Awards and is on the selection committee for the Clive Barnes Award and Foundation, which honors talented young professionals in the artistic fields of dance and theater. I'm so thrilled to have him here today. Frank, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast.
1: Hi, Jan. I'm so happy to be here. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while.
2: Well, I saw you on the street. I saw you on Broadway in passing. What was that, two weeks ago or something?
1: It, it was so quick that we actually get to have a conversation. Somewhere. I know.
2: I know. I'm thrilled. I'm a little nervous because, you know, you're the interviewer, but now it's time to interview the interviewer. And I'm hoping to learn a lot from you, Frank. You're such oh, an amazing host you. on all of your shows. Thank you. So how about if we do a little warm-up exercise and I'll ask you a few rapid fire questions so that everybody can get to know you better. Sure. All right, let's do this. If you were an animal, what animal would you be?
1: (laughs) Oh gosh, Jan, I'm not good at this stuff. I I guess because I love my dog so much, I I guess I'd be a dog.
2: What kind of dog, by the way?
1: Um,
2: What kind of dog is your dog?
1: Um, he's a mutt. He's a uh, chihuahua terrier mix. Oh, so, cute. And I think he's very handsome, so I'd be my little Alfie.
2: Aww. What is your favorite time of day, sunrise or sunset?
1: Definitely sunrise.
2: Mm. Favorite food?
1: Um, I'm an, an Italian boy, so chicken parm.
2: Mm. What's the first thing you notice about somebody when you meet them? Probably their eyes. So... Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked this question during an interview, so I feel like it's safe to ask you as well. Boxers um, or briefs?
1: Briefs. <laughs>
2: By the way, he answered the question too. Um, he, he, he the, the long briefs, you know, the sort of boxer yeah, brief yeah. combos. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> tell us two truths and one lie about yourself.
1: Oh my gosh, Jan! You, like this is the hardest. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to. I've ever had to sit through. Um,
2: now you know how it feels. <laughs>
1: and a lie. Oh my gosh, I'm not good. I, see, I, I'm the interviewer. I'm not Hi. normally the interviewee. Um, I'm a college professor. I've played opposite Meryl Streep on screen. I've never been to a Broadway show.
2: <laughs> okay, well, we all know which one is the lie. <laughs> Speaking of Broadway shows, do you have a favorite of all time?
1: Oh, yes, of course. I have a couple. Can I give you a couple answers? You can. Um, A chorus line, gypsy, and dream girls.
2: Can you describe yourself in three words or pick three words that, you know, you can associate with yourself?
1: I'm going to go with three words that people have used to describe me because I'm... Again, Jen, I'm not good at this. Um,
2: You're not self-aware. <laughs> I'm not
1: self-aware at all. Um, kind. I, I try to be kind. I, I make an effort to be kind. You know. Um, so I'll go with kind. Um, curious.
2: I'm going to throw modest in there. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll take modest. I'll take modest. Thank you, Jen. I'm not. I'm, I, I keep repeating myself, but I'm not good at these things. <laughs>
2: This is actually so much fun for me now.
1: <laughs> I, love, I love seeing you, you struggle.
2: Window.
1: You are good at what you
2: do. Okay. All right. Let's pivot. Let's talk about your career and about some of the important work you've done in arts education. I think that might be easier. Yes. So today is Throwback Thursday. And I wanted to ask you, what are some of the most memorable moments of the many years that you've been interviewing Broadway's Best?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, You know, Jan, first and foremost, I, you know, grew up in Philadelphia. My mom was taking me to Broadway shows as a kid. Um, You know, she was on the road a lot as a kid. And our time with our mother was spent on the weekends. And, you know, we all had a mutual love for Broadway and theater. And she would just say to me, Frank, book tickets. We're going like we'll go to New York and we would go up for, you know, the weekend and we would see stuff. And so I grew up as a young boy in Philadelphia, idolizing people like Cheetah Rivera and Harvey Firestein and Patti LaPone and Bernadette Peters and Liza Minnelli. And so to get to New York City in 2002 to move here and to actually get to know these folks and sit down with, with these actors and stars and you know, get to pick their brain about their crafts and 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 what they do is just a dream come true. I, I mean, I, I have a long list of folks who, you know, I just there were pinch me moments. Um, I have a great moment um, that I got to experience, or moments I got to experience with the late great Elaine Stritch. Um, in fact, her her final, one of her final. Um, interviews uh, I got to do with her. She was in town when her documentary came out Hmm. and um, she wasn't in good health. She wasn't feeling well. And she had me go to the place where she was staying and do the interview with her in bed. And she had me lay down next to her and we just chatted. And then what that interview morphed into once the cameras were turned off, she just started telling me stories about JFK and Ethel Merman and Judy Garland and you know, like it, these icons that you know she got to be around and experience, and you know, talk about Sondheim and how she still, you know, basically on her deathbed was still wanting his approval of the stuff that she was doing. So moments like that, I, I know that are so special, and and I cherish those moments.
2: That's. Amazing. I will never get that visual out of my head now of you and Elaine Stritch laying in bed together on her deathbed. Wow, that's crazy. So how has it been covering Broadway during these months of the pandemic and now the reopening? Um, Obviously, there was a a big lull in there during the lockdown. So how how did you fare and, and what did you do?
1: Well, I have to give credit to our station, New York One, here in New York City. You know, as you mentioned, I host a show that's all about theater that runs weekly. It's a news magazine program called On Stage. And when we knew things were looking grim and things were looking bad, especially with Broadway, it was here on March 12th when we got the announcement that Broadway was shutting down for what we thought was just going to be a couple of weeks. We did not know it was going to be a year and a half plus. You know my boss uh, pulled me aside and said you were committed to this industry you are committed to this community and so i went into the control room and in the studio and i basically taped a message that said we are here we will be following this community day in day out and providing you with updates along the way stay with us follow us follow me on social and that's what we did jan i mean one of the first big things that we got to do was I called all of my Broadway friends. I called people like Kristen Chenoweth and Kat McPhee and Lynn, and uh, who I know you are very close with. And, um, you know, the list goes on and we put together an hour special for the Actors Fund, which is an incredible organization, as you know. And I know this is a podcast about how the community gives back. The Actors Fund has been there for, for the community for years and years and years, through thick and through thin. And I said, we have to do something to raise awareness for the Actors Fund, to help raise money for the Actors Fund. And so we put on a show via, um, you know, everyone sending in clips from their their home. So Jenna was getting clips from people, you know, Deborah Messing showing us how she was exercising and Marissa Tomei showing us how she was doing a dance class to get through the pandemic and or get through this time. And we raised awareness and... Um, money for the Actors Fund, because that is an essential organization for this community. So, you know, that was kind of the kickoff to, you know, this commitment of we need to follow this community. We need to tell the stories of how people are surviving, you know, and then every month we put together a special. And, you know, when the BLM movement really took, um, uh, stepped into the, the spotlight following the murder of George Floyd, we connected with. A lot of um, Black members of the theater community to see how they were feeling, what they were doing, and how the community was responding. So we wanted to just make sure we were current and aware of how the community was staying afloat and trying to stay afloat during this dark, Mm -hmm. dark, long, unwanted intermission.
2: And now, as it's reopening, tell us what you've been doing every day. I think you've been in a theater every day, right?
1: It's been... (laughs) crazy Jan and it's been so thrilling to step back into these spaces that we both know I know you know this too the theater is church the theater is temple you know walking into these Broadway houses they're sacred spaces and to to not have that for such a long period of time was heartbreaking and hard emotionally hard on all of us you know I I I normally see you at the theater, you know, how many times a week, three or four times a week. So to be back, you know, covering these openings and I'll never forget, you know, being back at Waitress, which was one of the first musicals to open on Broadway since the pandemic happened. Every single character walking on that stage, walking onto that stage was getting entrance applause and standing ovations. it's, It's been thrilling. And what's great is that, You know, being back at the theater, you know, yes, there are these safety protocols in place, but people are willing to abide by them. People are willing to take Mm -hmm. part and do whatever they need to make sure that these spaces are safe for all involved.
2: Other than the safety protocols, have you noticed any changes? And also sort of part B to that would be, and what changes would you like to see as Broadway reopens?
1: I mean... In, in terms of the safety, I think what they're doing, I, I know they just, um, the Broadway League just put out that it looks like the safety protocols that are in place, the masks and showing your vaccine card with getting in, that's going to now go through the end of February, which again is great uh, to make sure it's a safe space for all. But I do think, you know, I was talking to Brian Stokes Mitchell and LaShawns about Black Theater United. And I think, you know, these organizations or these groups that have been formed, you know, due to some of the, the, the horrible stuff that we had to witness as a community, as a nation that happened uh, last year. I think these groups that are being formed to help diversify and make equal all parts of the theater are really good things to happen to help move this industry forward and get it to the right place. You know, what I admire so much about this community is that this is a community that doesn't rest on its laurels. They they want to make change, they want to be the change and they want to push forward and lead as example. And I think that is you know, just a really good thing to take in and observe and hopefully help towards making these changes
2: happen. Yeah, really good point. So you're an alum of Fordham University and Lincoln Center. And now you're a professor teaching theater journalism. And I just wondered how theater journalism has changed since you went to school. And if you had any advice that you would give students who want to enter that field. So I get asked this question all the time.
1: And I always say, you know, it's funny you're saying this too, because I was just talking to a friend of mine who is who works for another network, and we both are the same age. And you know, we went to school for journalism, and we were taught one way, and, and, you know, this was the model, this was the way for such a long period of time. But, you know, now, with the tools that we have at our fingertips on our phones, we can, anyone could be a journalist, anyone could be a critic, or, you know, a reporter in their own right. But I, I always say, you know, figure out your passion, figure out what you like. For instance, for me, it was the theater and then just go go from there. Just, you know, I tell my students, they always ask, well, how do I get into this? Or, you know, I like I, I'm a film buff. How do I like, you know, start reporting on this? It's like you you have Instagram, you have TikTok, you have Facebook, you have Twitter. Get out there, you know, be careful with what you put out there. Don't put everything out there. But um, when it comes to personal stuff, but just start start forming a beat. Start forming a beat and start forming a voice. Create your voice and go from there.
2: That's good advice. I'm going to take it. Um, Now, I hear there's a big project that you're working on, and I think you're not allowed to talk too much about it, but maybe you could give us a little preview. Well, yes. What are you you allowed to say? You've
1: heard (laughs) heard correctly. Um, I'm working on a very big project in regards, in response to the reopening of Broadway. Obviously, this was a moment that, you know, was a first for all of us. This has never happened before, where Broadway was shut down for this period of time. And um, I'm working on a very big project, which I will be able to announce and which will be announced in the coming weeks, um, that that if you're listening, you will be able to take in come early next year. And I'll leave it at that.
2: Let's let's talk a little bit about arts education. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, you serve on the board of the Roger Reese Awards. Um, you're part of the selection committee for the Clive Barnes Award and their foundation um, honoring young professionals in the in the theater. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those awards and why you've chosen to be involved with them?
1: Yeah, well, you know I'll start with the Roger Reese Awards. Um, first and foremost, The theater changed my life. I I was one of those odd kids growing up, um, wasn't into sports at all, but you know the theater was my safe haven and I was so fortunate enough that my mother put me into a school, my parents put me into a school, my mom chose it though, uh, so she gets the credit, where there was a really solid musical theater program. And from first grade through eighth grade and then you know obviously in high school as well, every spring, we would do a splashy big musical where they, at my grade school, they would hire the musicians from the national touring companies that would come into Philadelphia. So that would be our pit. The costumes were incredible. And we would do like, there was no cut down version of Fiddler on the Roof or The Sound of Music or The Music Man. We did the the full thing. And, you know, that was the one thing I look forward to every single year. That was my, you know, big Friday night football experience or my big day, you know, playing baseball. And, you know, with that, and then kind of trickling into the community and going to theater camp and, you know, doing community theater and whatnot, I started to find my people and started to find, you know, uh, people who were accepting and a community that was accepting. And, of course, I loved... Broadway. I loved seeing shows with my family and always knew I wanted to be a part of this, but didn't know if, you know, acting was the right path for me. And I'm getting off on a tangent, but the arts and musical theater changes people. And, you know, in a way it saved my life too, because I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in with the other jocks and and guys at school, but with this particular, you know, sub community, I did fit in. So, I am a strong advocate and a firm believer that, you know, musical theater is a very powerful community to be a part of. But then also think about the stuff you learn when you're studying, you know, theater and and musicals and 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 and, and reading music and learning how to play music, which you know I, I feel so fortunate enough that I got to do during school. Um, you're learning math. You're learning how to interact with people. You're learning teamwork and team building. And so when Susan Lee, uh, who we both know, asked me to be a part of the Roger Reese Awards and that um, board, it, it was a no-brainer. I, I said, yes, I love the Jimmy Awards. The Jimmy Awards are the National High School Musical Theater Awards that happen every single year, normally during mm-hmm. a normal year, right after the Tony Awards. And you've you've been, Jan. You, you've seen you know, these kids and how passionate they are about theater. And it's something I look forward to every year. And so the Roger Reese awards are the New York city chapter and the surrounding area to the Jimmy awards. And when they asked me to be a part of it, I was a hundred percent in.
2: And about what about the Clive Barnes award and foundation?
1: So uh, I I got brought into that by um, a colleague, Patrick Pacheco, who's another (laughs) theater journalist in the community who I know, you know, and he you know, he had been on the committee for a while and he, he nominated me to be a part of that. And we get together and we we honor artists, both in the fields of dance and theater, who are under the age of 30, who show, you know, um, uh, promising careers. So folks we've uh, honored in the past have included MJ Rodriguez, hmm. Ashford. So um, our track record is, is pretty good with that one, but it's you know, to, to, to see, there's nothing more thrilling than to see an artist, especially a young artist, you know, emerging and starting to come into his or her own or or their own. Um, It's pretty thrilling. I'll never forget seeing MJ in Rent right, and as Angel and thinking to myself, oh my God, she is amazing. She's amazing. now look, Look at what she's doing. She's
2: I wanted to talk about that whole idea of, you know, living life with a purpose and um, being philanthropic um, or or doing good. And what does that mean to you? Um, And how did you see that modeled for you? You know, you talked about your mom. um, You know, was that something that your family just, they did, they, it was part of their sort of, you know, way of life. Um, Or did you come into this later in life or how did you become that person who wanted to give back?
1: Yeah. um Yeah. I have to say it's both my parents. You know, growing up, one thing that really stuck out to me two things. my my mom was always the first. Like if anyone was in need, she would she would always say, What can we do? Do they, you know, do they need money? Do they need food? What can we do? So first and foremost, and to this day, my mom is is that way when it comes to, you know, friends of mine who, you know, are running marathons for amazing causes. Like she's the first to donate. She's like, yes, we have to help. And then the other thing that, you know, really, you know, like made a mark on me in a good way was as a kid before, because I think I told you, my mom, our time with our mom would be on the weekends. Our time with our father would be during the week because my mom would travel during the week for her job. And with my father, he would get us ready for school and then he would make her lunches and then he would have all these other lunches on the kitchen table. And I remember saying one morning, I'm like, dad, what's that for? And he, before going into work, he would feed the homeless. He was like, you know, there are, there are guys around where I work who I know aren't eating today. And so, um, I'm, you know, bringing them sandwiches and he would do that you know, almost every morning before school. And so seeing stuff like that, just it's, it leaves an imprint on you. And, you know, especially during this time when everything was shut down. I mean, Jan, I will never forget this period. I think our whole generation, anyone who's alive during this time will never forget this pandemic. I mean, this pandemic changed so many lives and changed our world in a variety of ways. But You know, I have friends who were working on Broadway making healthy, healthy salaries who couldn't afford groceries, who couldn't afford to do their laundry, had to decide whether or not they were going to do their laundry, take it to a laundromat or um, buy food. They were doing laundry in their sink. Like that, it just, you know, and so for me during this time, I was like, what can I do? What can I do? And, And for me, it was like, Donate to the Actors Fund and raise awareness for the Actors Fund because what Joe Benacosta does, you know, I, I know so many stories of people losing their health insurance or not being able to pay their rent or um, not being able to buy groceries, and Joe is there and and puts you in touch with the right people. So I think it, it all comes down to my parents, and and you know, when whenever there is an opportunity to sit on a board or to help others, especially when it comes to arts education, um, that's a no-brainer. It's, it's like, what do I need to do?
2: So as you were talking about earlier, you've interviewed so many legendary artists. Um, thinking about your interviews with like Tom Hanks and Vanessa Redgrave and Bono and Elton John and Hugh Jackman and James Earl Jones. And I get the list goes on. Anyway, I just wondered during any of those interviews that you've done, were any of those artists um, do they offer you any pearls of wisdom with regard to their own philanthropy or being of service or any kind of social activism or any of those people, sort of people that you look to, to, to get inspiration in that area?
1: Jen, one person who I'm really inspired by and, and someone who really puts his money where his mouth is and his art where, you know, his mouth is and, and, and legit is changing, the world, when it comes to entertainment, but also doing good, is your pal Lin-Manuel Miranda. I feel like we're busy people. <laughs> I don't know where he gets the energy to do what he does. You know, and every time I talk to him or every time I see him on social media, he's you know fighting for some good cause, and it's you know, or he's fighting for the Broadway community. Um, he's trying to make you know the community better in so many ways. He is truly inspiring, and I feel like in many ways is a leader. Um, or the, the, the speaker for our community as a whole. I'll never forget, the family invited me down um, to Puerto Rico for the premiere of Hamilton down there. I know we saw each other yeah. down there. <laughs> um, and then I went with Luis to um, Vega Alta, where the family is from, yeah. and mm-hmm. then spent his summers. And just seeing you know, it was so important for them to give back to that community and having the museum there that Lynn, Mm -hmm. you know, with with his Tonys and all that good stuff and how that was helping the community and was a source of income for the community and people in the community. It was really amazing. Then seeing the pictures when, you know, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, you see these pictures of Lynn, you know, handing out sandwiches and being on the ground uh, there to help People who are struggling. I mean, it, it truly is. He's truly inspirational.
2: He is. But so many of the people that you've interviewed um, have been. And you know, I was I was looking back, and I know you interviewed Jane Fonda. Um, and to me, she's also such an important activist. And little fun fact: I went to high school um, here in LA, and um, I was on the committee that brought Jane Fonda to speak at our high school on the field to talk oh about my- Vietnam. <laughs>
1: Wow. When
2: she was sort of Hanoi Jane. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just think, I was looking back, you know, Hugh Jackman, you've interviewed, and you know, he's done so much philanthropic um work. And and Andrew Lloyd Weber has his own fund that goes through the American Theater Wing for Arts Education. So um, I feel like you and I are so lucky because we get to talk to all these people who do so much good, not just in their entertainment, but also, um, you know, in their in their philanthropic work or their social activism work. And um, it's so inspiring.
1: I, I Speaking of Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, I just sat down with him as he brought Phantom back to Broadway. And, you know, I talked to him, I checked in with him a few times during the pandemic. And I have to say, when all said and done, and we, you know, this is years behind us, and hopefully it will be, I think he's going to come up as one of you know the the saviors of this moment because as you may recall, Jan, when everything shut down, he was one of the first to say we need to figure this out. He was his shows were running in South Korea, and I, I chatted with him like three weeks into the pandemic, and he said his people are already looking into these special knobs for theaters. So like once you touch them, they automatically clean themselves the air systems that I know a lot of the theaters have put in, but also like he he was like, no, we need to figure out how we're going to bring people back and do it in a safe way. He was one of the first people to sign up to, to do a trial vaccine when it was at Oxford university. So, and, and he actually, he basically said to the government, if you keep opening and closing or, or shutting us out, you know, put me in jail because we need to make, we need artists, and this was said to me during the pandemic too and it's so true artists are essential workers mm. you know artists got us through the pandemic you turned on netflix you turned on spotify you turned on itunes you were watching youtube videos of whatever you know these are artists and these are essential workers and they need to be taken care of and andrew was leading that charge in many ways and on many fronts
2: That's so true. I love that idea. I never really thought about it in that way. But artists were essential workers. I don't know what I would have done through the last year and a half without some of the content that was created and and even just the social media, you know, that that was inspiring. Um, So whether it's on your podcast or on your show on New York One or right now here with me, I wondered what advice would you give to listeners about doing good in the world.
1: There, there's so much negativity in this world it doesn't hurt to be kind it doesn't hurt to be nice like it doesn't hurt to do good you know and if you can give back and like you said jan giving back doesn't happen doesn't just happen with writing a check giving back can also be giving of your time and the ultimate payoff with all of that is that you will feel good in the long run you know
2: so true Frank, thank you so much for having this chat with me and for being on my podcast, and I've learned so much from you.
1: Thank you, Jen.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency, and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit vpnfm slash Broadway Gives Thanks so much.